0: to get her and I don't want this big yellow bug in the way. Yeah, it yeah, I like my big yellow bug in the way. <laughs> right. one so I want to
1: get get on on to Right. a little
0: Well, good morning, everybody. We got a special. We're not going to do the whole song, but we're going to do the chorus. We might do the chorus twice. He's going to help me on the chorus. you mm-hmm. Let's turn to 490. Stand together and sing Revive Us Again. 490. Revive Us Again.
1: <clears throat> <laughs>
0: Let me sing this one too, okay? It's good to be in God's house this morning. Amen. <laughs>
1: We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy.
0: Bible, Amen. If we, you know, if we don't, if we don't seek God, we'll drift from God. You know, it's just a fact of life. You know, our, our time, our, our our relationship with God is kind of like, it's kind of like a fella paddling upstream, and all you got to do is just stop paddling, and you'll head right back down where you came from. And you know, you got the devil fighting against you, so you got to continue heading upstream. And you know the world's coming against you, and it's a it's a battle, and that's why that old song that Lester Roloff used to sing. He said, "It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight, not a game." So we uh, you know we need to realize we're in a battle. But praise God if we'll seek God, He'll revive us again and give us energy and strength and endurance and stamina to keep going and serving Him. Anyway, good to be in God's house this morning, and uh, I pray and trust you had a good weekend. And uh are we have do we have any prayer requests? I must mention right off the bat we need to lift up Scott in prayer. Uh thank God he's doing as well as he's doing, but I um, I mean I, I hadn't really heard a whole lot. Do you all know anything? <clears throat> well, evidently he must be doing some better or they wouldn't be letting him come home. <laughs> but um but anyway, they had talked about maybe me going over getting him Tuesday or Wednesday, um Monday or Tuesday, so anyway, look forward to seeing him getting busy with him on the way home. So y'all pray for him and pray for me as I go get him. Miss um, Charlotte. Yeah, we need to pray for Miss Charlotte having trouble with her foot. Yeah. Yeah, pray for her. She's having a lot of pain with that foot, bone spur in her foot. Um, who else?
1: Diane.
0: Diane. And my cousin, my niece. Your niece. And Right, right. Lift them up. We'll lift all them up in prayer. Yes, Mom. Lisa Harmon
1: had her foot amputated.
0: I thought she already had that done.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, that'd be a scary thing. Uh, anybody else? Anything else? I know we got prayer requests. I know we're bound to have some needs that we can mention to the Lord. You know, we you, you can't do anything until you pray, or you can do you're to, you're at the mercy of of the way things happen unless you, unless you pray. So, if, yes. Yes. Well, I'm just going to say, Lord, guide those doctors and, and get their attention. Miss Joanne, you need prayer this morning?
1: I'm going to
0: have uh, my
1: chest on the 31st for my carotid order. Right. Pray on that. Right. I will. She, she had a probably problem
0: with her last Right. And she's still married to you, so she needs lots of prayer. <laughs> Amen.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> all right.
0: Okay, anybody else got any unspoken this morning? I do too. We probably all do. You know what? God's the God that hears unspoken prayers too. Amen. He hears cry of our heart before we ever open our mouth. So let's take it to him and let's ask him to meet with all these needs. let's ask him to meet with us this morning because, as the psalm says, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. So let's ask God to meet with us this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You be seated.
1: Calling on my ear, the son of...
0: to number 64, number 64, lead me to Calvary, well, sometimes that's what we need the Lord to do, the Holy Spirit just leads us back,
1: reminds us, King King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou born and wept, angels in throats of light arrayed, guardeth thee whilst thou slept. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony,
0: lest I
1: forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me, like Mary through the gloom, come with a gift for Thee. Go oh, to me now the empty tomb, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thy agony. Lest I forget Thy love for me me to Calvary, may I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee, even thy cup of green to share, thou hast borne all for me, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy to
0: Calvary. Amen. Let's turn over to number one. Number one. My Savior's love for me.
1: damned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful, is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will, but God. But sweat, drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And pity, angels, be had. for me. When with the wrath of His glory, His face I at last shall see, will be my joy through the ages, to sing of His love for me. How
0: Amen. I tell you, it sure is good to be love by the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. As that other songwriter wrote, No one ever cared for me like
1: Jesus. I didn't sing, had no peace, no joy within, and my soul was burning down with pride, but the Savior came along, and he showed me I was wrong, and he placed me on the way. I'm on the winning side, no more, out and when will I abide? I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. From the straight and On the water, deep and wide But it all is over now Glory light shines on my breath Now my soul is on the winning side Well, I'm on the winning side Yes, I'm on the winning side No more in the light for the call.
0: turn with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and I covet your prayers this morning. My body's weary. I, we, we, we went all week long, blowing and going, trying to get ready for that wedding. So I pray, God, give me some strength this morning, amen? And we pray for everybody that ought to have been here this morning. I ain't mad at nobody, but I pray for all these people that ought to have been here this morning, amen? Uh I guess this was the Sunday that everybody decided. Well, it won't bite anybody. Miss me this Sunday? Everybody did it once, I guess. But uh, that happens, I guess. Uh, but anyway, it's good to be here with you, Amen. You don't flush at the ones. You don't plus it the ones that showed up, do you, Amen? I'm glad you're here. Praise God, and I'm not mad at those that are not. But I sure wish we had them here with us this morning. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Turn over there to chapter six, and uh, we're going to look. And, I, you know, I, I told you a while back when we started this thing that Paul deals with different subject matter. And right now, right now, whether we like it or not, Paul's dealing with sex, and that's the subject. I mean, God deals with it, you know. Uh, God doesn't shy away from it. He created it. He made it. He and, and he addresses it, and he teaches us about it so that we understand it from a Biblical perspective from his perspective, the way God would have us to conduct ourselves and relate to such. So that's kind of what we're looking at. But it, it, we looked at that last week in, in regards to the man who was having an affair with his stepmother, and uh, well, the stuff that was going on there. I mean, it's just, it's just. We we look at it, we say, man, if what that kind of thing was going on here, man, that would be horrible. Uh, well. That wasn't all that was going on there. There was so much more going on taking place in the church at Corinth. Really and truly, again, I don't think none of us would probably stand there very long. We got there seeing what was going on. We'd say, man, this is this is a worldly outfit. We don't know if we want to be a part of this. And uh, But Paul's trying, and I want you to understand it. God doesn't give up. Do you see that? God doesn't give up. Even though this church is in a total mess, God didn't say, Paul, you just Put a match to that one, that's over. I mean, you know, you'd think from a human perspective if you looked at it, you'd say, there ain't no way that church is going to come back from all that. But God, in his mercy, God gave them space to repent. God God has got Paul writing them these letters to correct these things. And so what we talked about last week was fornication. We're still talking about fornication, but I want us to look at it from some other perspectives because fornication is not always relating To sexual nature, sometimes it can be uh, well. I'm going to put it to you like this. I believe there's 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 physical fornication, of course, but I'm going to tell you this morning. I believe there's mental fornication, and I also believe there's spiritual fornication, and I'll I'll give you those, and you'll see those before we're done. Well, let's go ahead and read chapter six, and we're going to cover all 20 verses this morning. We're going to try to do as fast as we can. Because I want to cover the whole chapter, and uh, and I think we can if we if we stay with it. So let's go ahead. I, I won't even read it first. We'll just pray, and then we'll get right into the message this morning. So let's go. to The Lord in prayer, Father in heaven, Lord, I ask you, please help me now over these next few moments, Lord. I want to give exactly what you gave to me, and Lord God, I want to convey it to them, Lord, in a way that's easily understandable, Lord. I want to help somebody this morning enrich somebody with some truth, Lord, that they can take and give to someone else, Lord. We're just here to get our bucket full. We don't know where you'd have us to pour it out. But, Lord, we're here to get under the spout and get our bucket full, Lord, that we can leave here knowing that we've heard from you. Father, again, we don't know who needs this. We don't know where we'll use this. But, Lord God, we need it this morning that we might go out in this world and be a beacon of truth. And, and Lord, shine it to everyone that they might see that, that you're right, Lord, that you are, you are God, you're King of kings, you're Lord of lords, and you're right. And, Lord, I pray you'd give me the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. I pray you'd, you'd use me, Lord.
1: Yeah, uh, Lord, I'm
0: tired. I need Holy Ghost power. I need, Lord, I need Your power. Please fill me and use me for Your glory, and I'll give You all the credit, all the glory for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Chapter six. Paul is. Paul starts off. Well, I tell you what. Let's just let's back up just a little bit, and let's kind of understand here. <laughs> You had this church where, again, first of all, they were a bunch of uh, "I'm better than you," I, I'm, "I'm smarter than you," people, uh, kind of, kind of snooty. I'd say there's some snoots in this church who thought they knew more than than Paul did, and, and they they hadn't been saved very long at all. But all of a sudden, because they come from an intellectual society with a lot of intellectual houses of learning around them and a lot of philosophers and whatnot. Uh, they ride it down the road from Athens. I'm sure they got their well, uh, they got their, their load of philosophy coming out of Athens, because that's all people there did was just to wait to hear any new thing, you know, on Mars Hill. So again, you you got you got that element in the church, and then you've got this you got this element of permissive behavior. We just let anything go, and that's really kind of what we're looking at today. It's the permissiveness that went on in this church. And, and, and again, these are things that Paul is addressing because these are wrongs within the church. He's correcting all the things that are wrong within this church because this church has a lot of things wrong with it. But, again, we're talking about fornication this morning, and we'll get right into it. Verse 1, Paul makes this statement. He says to them, dare any of you, dare any of you, having a matter against another, Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. That word dare, it means to dread. Or it means to shun through fear. Something, oh my goodness, no, I would never do that. You know, it's one of those kind of things. The shudders think that I would be in that position. That's kind of the that language that Paul's using when he says that. He's saying, he's saying, You ought to, you ought to have fear run through your body when you think about it, what you when you think about what you're doing here. Uh, it, it implies listen to me, I want you to note how serious this is. The word dare here that he uses, it implies treason against the body of Christ. Treason. When somebody commits treason, they have absolutely turned on their country, am I right? They have sold out what they believe is stood for for, for for gain or benefit or something of that nature. And so when he says treason against the body of Christ, that means they have turned against the body of Christ and all that, that's, all that that means. So when he says, he says, dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Now, let's just, let's just understand something here. As believers, there's some things we don't agree with. Okay? Number one, we don't – how many of y'all would agree if we had a world court where we all went – we had to go stand before a world court of people from all over the world? Y'all wouldn't go for that, would you? We don't want that. We don't want some uh, United Nations international court that determines uh, our guilt or innocence. Uh, How many of y'all would like to have Muslim Sharia law rule over you? No. No, we don't want none of that. Listen, we, you know what we believe is our is our rule of faith and practice is this book right here, amen. And the Constitution of the United States is derived from the moral moral teachings of this book right here, and that's why we are so uh, eager to follow the Constitution because we know its source. But again, he says, "How dare you? Dare any of you having a matter against another?
1: Uh,
0: go to law before the unjust." So this was a. a I guess the word would be a litigious society. This is a, a society in Corinth where i, I heard one, one preacher say uh, it would be nothing for a person, if you grew up in Corinth, to uh, maybe have to deal with four or five lawsuits in your life. Nearly everybody there was sued about something at one time or another. In other words, it was a very frivolous Law system that they had in Corinth at that time. So over the littlest things, people would take one another to court, and so that was that was trickling over just like the behavior of the of the the, the prostitute filled temple. That behavior was trickling over into the church. You had the suing one another behavior that was trickling over into the church and going on. And he and but I find it odd what Paul says here in verse one. He said he said uh well I say verse one verse two. Because he says, no, "Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? The world shall be judged by you. Are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? The the world shall be judged by you." Isn't that a odd statement? That we're going to judge the world. Well, that's what the Bible tells us. And and you know in the and during the during the millennium, uh, if you want to turn over to Revelation five with me. And if you if you can find it real quick, if not, that's okay. I'll read it to you, but I may not find it quick either. Revelation chapter five, and verse ten. Revelation verse five, chapter five, and verse ten, it said, "And hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth." Now, if a king, a king judges, a king rules, and so. We're, the Bible says that we're going we're to rule as king and priest on the earth, and that's during the millennium. And by the way, you and I will have a glorified body during that time. We won't have a sinful nature anymore. We'll have a nature just like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that regard, we'll be able to judge those who are alive in their physical bodies during the millennial time, the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. And that may be what the Lord's talking about, or he may be talking about during the great white throne judgment. You know, at the great white throne judgment, Christ is the judgment. He sits on the throne, and, and he's got the sheep, which is us, on the right hand. He's got his goats on the left. And when people are pitched in the lake of fire, we're going to have to judge with it and say, amen, Jesus, that's right. They deserve it because they rejected you as their Savior. They rejected your death, burial, and resurrection as a payment for their sin. So, amen, that's true. You're right. They should be cast in the lake of fire. And maybe that's what he's speaking of, too. But then verse 3 goes, goes even more interesting. It says, Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? We shall judge angels. Well, the only thing I can say about that is there's a verse over in 2 Peter chapter 2, if you want to turn there. 2 Peter chapter 2. Spare not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now the Bible doesn't say specifically that we're going to that we'll be judging these angels, but the Bible does say that we will judge angels, and it says that these are reserved unto judgment. So it doesn't say the judgment of God; it says reserved unto judgment. So maybe that maybe that's the angels that we'll judge, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's referring to those those angels who left their first estate in the time of Noah. that I, and, and that's the only thing I have to go on is is, is is there's some people that believe that and some people that believe it's different, but that's that's where I stand on it. But anyway, so Paul saying to him, listen, you're going to judge people later on in this world. And you know what you'll judge them with? Same thing you judge your things with now. The word of God. That's that's all we'll ever use to judge things with is God's word. So we're gonna judge people and we're gonna judge angels. Isn't it funny that the world now tells us, judge, no, judge, judge not? They quote that half of that verse You're not supposed to judge, how dare you judge me? Well, God tells us we're supposed to judge. I mean, he couldn't make it any plainer than that we're supposed to judge. All right. So, and then he says, Verse four, he says. If you then, if then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life. Now, let's understand that what we're talking about here. He's saying judgments of things pertaining to this life. Set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Things we're talking about judging are daily things, things that everybody, common people, deal with problems, just ordinary. Problems in
1: life.
0: So again, and God says that we're able to judge those things. He's telling us not to go and take these things to the world. Okay, and He tells us, listen, if you're going to judge, if you're going to judge people later on in the millennium or whenever, if you're going to judge uh, at the great white throne judgment and agree in judgment with me, if you're going to judge angels, don't you think you're capable of judging? Small matters in this life now without running to a world that's lost to do it for you. I believe God calls that fornication. I believe that's one one area where God says, You don't trust me, my word, and my people? You'd rather trust it to people that don't even know me. But notice he says here. He says He says, Set them to judge who are the least themed in the church. Now when I read that the first time, I read that when I was younger, I thought that meant somebody that didn't matter much. But that's not what that means. When it says the least esteemed in the church, that might mean the guy that hasn't been saved very long. So ain't nobody calling him the serve nowhere in the church. Maybe he's maybe maybe he's quiet. And he don't like to be the one to stand up and speak and do all the talking. Maybe he's maybe he's maybe he sits in a corner like Stephen. He just sits over the corner. That's his spot over there. Amen. He don't sit down front. He don't make a big show. I'm not trying to put you on the spotlight, but I'm just saying. So he's a kind of quiet guy. Do you know what? I guarantee you. know what they say? They say what they say? Uh, still water drum deep. That's what they say? All right. So, again, a quiet guy. My daddy always told me that, that's the one you don't want to mess with because the one blowing and talking, he ain't going to do nothing. It's the quiet one that will knock the stepping out of you. But, but he's also the wise one, too. He ain't running his head constantly. He's just sitting there soaking up everything. And that's what paul said paul says go find go find the one who's least assuming in your church, the one who's not asking to be at the center of attention the one who just minds their business and listens and and learns and, and he said take take that guy the least esteemed in the church and and you make that guy the one who judges the matter if you've got a matter to judge in the church because the least the least esteemed is that's God's choice it wouldn't be man's choice at all uh because God doesn't operate like man. God doesn't operate like man at all. God God, God would choose the man that's least popular, and man would choose the guy that's most popular. I mean, think about it. When you have an election, what do you do? Man, that guy's running around kissing babies, shaking hands. He's trying to be the most popular guy in town. Got signs up everywhere. They want. I mean, the most popular guy is going to win, right? So, And that's what they call the vote, the popular vote, right? So, again, so... And that guy, guess what that guy's going to do? He's shaking a lot of hands. He's making a lot of agreements. He's making a lot of deals. You know what he'll do? He'll accept favors. You can't really trust that guy because he might take a favor and give somebody a break that he shouldn't give them because, hey, you know, that's the way you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And, you know, that's how business gets done in this world. It's not right, but that's how business gets done in this world. So God says don't take somebody like that because that person... They might not give you a fair judgment because they might be influenced one way or the other. You, you can go to the church and find a guy that nobody, nobody's influenced, nobody's got a hold of. You get that guy, he knows me, he loves me, and he'll give you the right answer because he knows me and loves me. Look at verse 5. He said, I speak, I speak to your shame. It's a shameful thing that you're doing. He said, is it so that there's not a wise man among you? I hate to put like Is Paul saying, are y'all just a bunch of dummies down there? Y'all ain't got nobody smart enough to figure out how to handle your business? No, not one that should be able to judge between his brethren? You ask somebody in the church, well, what should we do? I don't know. I got no clue. Ain't nobody in there got any sense? Nobody in there that knows God, knows his ways, and knows his word? Brother goeth the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. You know, that's sad when that happens, and it happens. It don't happen often, but when it happens, it it's so sad when you got when you got one Christian brother. Who, who has a civil matter with another Christian brother and they can't discuss it and work it out and they end up getting bitter at one another and they end up suing one another and then they'll never speak to one another again and it just destroys friendships and can tear churches up. It, it's awful and it's evil. It's the work of the devil. Uh, you know, God God tells us, listen, you ought to be able to handle that within the walls of the church. I mean, Christ set it up for uh, for us to be able to handle things that way. He says, you know, what are you supposed to do first if you got a problem with your brother? He said, you go to that brother and you tell him. And, you know, and, and, and if you will hear you, then you've received your brother. And if he won't hear you, you go get two or three and bring two or three more, not from town, but from the church. You bring brothers in Christ with you, and you go and you talk to that person with them. And so then they say, hey, he's not just running his head. He's, he's got the people with him who agree with him. And if he will hear you and, and, and he acknowledges it, then you've received your brother back and everything's good. If not, then what do you? You tell it to the church. We all went over there and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't hear us. And it's, and it's, and so the church says, "Hey, well, this is where we all stand on it." And the Bible says, "And if he won't hear the church, let him be under let him be under you as a heathen and a publican." That guy's like a we don't treat him like a lost man. Because he won't listen to what God's people have to say. He won't listen to God either. <clears throat> That's what Paul's telling them. You know, the Bible says that why you're not supposed to go to the world. Now, I'm be using this verse a little out of context, but it applies. It really ain't out of context. But in 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, The natural man receiveth not the things of God. Neither can he know them; they're spiritually discerned. So, how can a lost man, a lost judge, or a lost jury, for that matter, look at things from a spiritual nature and come to a spiritual conclusion—one that's fair according to the Word of God? They can't. You know, in the American justice system, they have a saying: "Justice is blind." It's blind, all right. That means. That means. Listen. Justice makes decisions based based on hard facts, not based on what's right and wrong. You know, if you're smart enough, you, 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 you can find a loophole. Legally get out of something. If you're smart enough, there's always a, a, a way to slip through without getting caught uh, if, you, if you work it right. You know, ju- justice is not accurate. I, I'll, I'll give you some examples. In this country... Muslims move with impunity. They do what they want to. You know that they don't. They don't obey the law in Dearborn, Michigan. Dearborn, Michigan. There's more Muslims per capita than there is anywhere else in the United States. Uh, they have they have a uh, Muslim festivals up there, and I, I know a preacher who goes up there every year and he preaches at it. And I I don't advocate everything he does. He does some pretty outlandish things. But that, that I wouldn't do He walked around with a pig head on a stick at <laughs> their festival, but. Uh, but anyway, they've had not just him, but other preachers have gone through. They've had rocks thrown at them. I will you, one of them threw a cinder block, other uh, throw a milk crate at them. I mean, and the cops don't do a thing. They they just hey, that's their festival. So again, they 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 can do what they want to in this country. They're, they don't seem to be hindered by the laws of our, our our land. They just they just they look at it as though they serve Allah and only Allah. And they don't bow down to no government. That's the way the Muslims look at it. Well, if a Muslim looks at things like that, how in the world is a Christian going to bow down and lift the heels and kiss the, kiss the boots of a government that's tyrannical? We're not supposed to. Amen? Listen, we're, we're to obey the law as far as the law agrees with the Word of God, but when the law ab- abandons the Word of God, then we don't have to follow the law. We follow the Word of God. Amen? We're to follow God no matter what. Even if it means our life, even if it means the loss of everything we have, no matter what it means, we're to follow God. You know, again, Muslims do what they want to do in this country. Y'all know Mormons do too, right? You know, a, a polygamy is against the law if they still marry them. They do what they want to. They don't, they don't abide, you know, you know, child protective services. They don't do nothing within the Mormon community. They don't do nothing. Listen, they, they stay away from those people because those people run their own deal. They govern themselves. You know God intends for His people to do the same thing. God intends for us to do that very thing. Um, Why do believers today run to government to solve the problems? I don't understand that. Why why we run to government to solve our problems? You know I tell you why. You know why it is? It's because men don't preach and teach the Bible anymore. They they give soft spoken, nice feel goody messages. That, that don't give anybody any substance and they don't understand how God feels about these things and that's why they, I mean these truths don't get talked about anymore because we live in such a such a uh a watered down um I hate to just run it down totally but I mean it's it's a satisfied society it, it's a, you hurt my feelings society so I'm going to go get you uh we uh, we just live in a messed up world I mean you think you remember years ago when those uh when that uh that Sodomite couple came into that bake shop. I think it was in Colorado or somewhere, maybe it was in Washington. And they said we want a we want a wedding cake made for our wedding. We want rainbows on it and all that stuff. You remember that? And they said, you know, that we're sorry, but we just we just don't agree with 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 gay marriage, and so we don't we we're gonna we we're gonna turn it down, politely turn it down. And what did they do? They they sued them. They they went after them, and they ended up shutting them down. They ended up taking nearly everything that people had. <clears throat> and as far as I know, they're still causing them grief now. How is that how is that okay in America? It's not okay. Christians are, are are treated the worst in America and stand up the least. But Paul is saying, listen, it's wrong. I mean, we may we may think we're doing right when we when we go to government to take care of our problems. But Paul said, no, that's not right. Now I want you to notice something though. What verse was I in there? Uh no, I'm looking for I'm looking for the least esteemed. All right. Where did I read that at? Oh, least esteemed verse four, yeah. All right. We're talking about Okay. Verse three is what it was that I missed. He said, How much more shall how much more the things that pertain to this life? things that we're talking about, I want to make a distinction here before I go any further about this because I don't want anybody to think that I'm talking about criminal stuff. If somebody were to were to I mean, obviously if somebody were to kill somebody within the church, we don't we don't handle it in house. Something like that. If there's some kind of a sexual crime or something like that, we don't handle it in house. Of course somebody commits a crime they need to be turned over to the authorities. But but we're talking about we're talking about Vic, not necessarily victimless crimes here. We're talking about civil things. We're talking about somebody doing somebody wrong, somebody defrauding somebody, somebody stealing from somebody, somebody taking advantage of somebody. Somebody maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe we're talking about a uh, we're talking about a, a marriage that's gone bad. And the husband's fooling around on the wife, or the wife's cheating on the husband, or or or, or she's got some kind of terrible problem with her kids or whatever. We don't run to the world to solve this stuff. That's the problem. People run straight to the world. And you got a problem with their marriage? Well, they go find a counselor that ain't got no Bible. And they're going to get him to fix their marriage. And God's the one who created marriage. Or, or, or they got a problem with their marriage? We're going to run and get a divorce. We're going to go to the world to undo this mess. Again, Paul said it's a shame that you do that. It's a shame that you can't handle yourself, uh, your business yourself. Verse 7, he says, listen. There is utterly a fault among you y'all got a problem there Because you go to law with one another Why do you not rather take wrong and I know somebody said take wrong? Man, I ain't gonna have nobody do me wrong Well, I remember Jesus when they were doing him wrong and instead of getting mad and ripping his hands loose from the nails and getting down and and taking them all and throwing them all into hell, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What did he do? He took the wrong for me and you, didn't he? Amen. So suffering for Christ's sake sometimes, we have to take a little wrong every now and then. And and listen, he said, said, why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? why would I want to let somebody take advantage of me why would i want not want to let why would I want to let somebody do something to me that's going to hurt me Romans chapter 12 verse 17 through 19 Apostle paul he says recompense which means payback recompense to no man evil for evil Somebody hurts you, somebody does wrong to you, don't you sit and plot and think about how you can do wrong back to them. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. People People are underhanded and dirty in the way they deal with me. So don't be underhanded and dirty in the way you deal. You deal upright and fairly and honestly with them. Well, how's that going to benefit me? Well, verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Avenge not yourselves. Um, he says, but rather give place under wrath. Let it go. Let it go. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I'll replace this, Lord. So why would I let somebody run over me? Why would I let somebody take advantage of me? Because whatever I can do to get back at him will be nothing compared to what God's going to do. However, I chose to exact my revenge would only inflict more pain and cause a deeper wound and cause a greater hurt. If God deals with them, he'll just absolutely display their conscience and everything, and he can restore them and fix their life. There's hope for restoration. If God does the chastising, if God does the whipping, then there's hope for for regeneration. There's hope for restoration. But if I do it, all it's going to do is just blow something to pieces. All right? So, again, Why do you not rather take the wrong? Do it God's way. Verse 8, he said, nay, you do wrong. You're the one doing wrong. And defraud, and that, your brethren. How in the world do I defraud my brethren? Well, a believer is not supposed to be one who exacts revenge. A believer is supposed to be one who turns it over to God rather than handle it themselves. So I'm, I'm misrepresenting my Lord when I get revenge. I'm, I'm misrepresenting the body of Christ when I get revenge. I'm defrauding them. I'm not. I'm acting like somebody who shouldn't, who's not a believer. Uh, in chapter thirteen of Romans, verse ten, the Bible says, "Love worketh no ill to his neighbor." If you have the love of Christ in you, you're not going to want to hurt somebody back when they hurt you. You know what you're going to do if you've got the love of Christ in you? You're going to want to pray for them that God will get a hold of their heart and change them so they're not that kind of person anymore. We're not talking about some guy uh, in a parking lot walks up to you and sticks a gun to your ribs and says, give me all your money. We're talking about somebody you went to church with and you know and you've trusted and loved, but now they've done something that they, they got themselves in a mess or, or whatever, however they're in a the position where they're wanting to take advantage of you. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen a lot of times, uh, sadly, but I have. God says, uh, God says through Paul that love, love doesn't want to hurt his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If you want to do things God's way, you love them instead of hate them. You, you'll, you help them instead of hurt them. And, again, the purpose of going to the law is to do what? It's to get it even. If I go to the law, I can't make you do right, but they'll make you do right. They'll set it right. Instead of me doing it, I'll have my big... My big bully come do it for me. That's exactly what you do. And if you turn it over to God, listen, God will handle it right. God will be merciful. God will do things the right way. Again, let's keep going. So, verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10. He says, Know ye not that the the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. By the way, let me stop right there. The unrighteous are not going to—they're—they—they're they, they're not going. I'm sorry, they're not going to—they're not going to be with God. And He's reminding them that lost people don't go to heaven. And He says, "Be not deceived." And the reason He's saying "be not deceived" is because there was a lot of deception going on there in, in Corinth. And here's the here's the sins that He's naming here. I want you to understand this. He's naming the sins of Corinth. He said, be not deceived, neither fornicators. And again, we know that this was a sexually permissive society, and there was a lot of that going on, and people thought, you know, I can do that, and that's fine, and won't nobody, uh, you know, uh, that's that's the way everybody does. So I guess it's okay. That's the way they were living their lives. It was okay evidently for some people in the church because they were doing it openly, and they weren't ashamed of themselves. And there were other people in the church that were okay with them living like that. And you know what? Today in 2023 in America, you got people shacked up coming to church, and you got people going to church with them. It's okay with it. It Doesn't even bother them the people that people they live they live in the same house, they sleep in the same bed, they got they got children together, whatever they got. Listen, and and yet they 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 never entered into holy matrimony. they make it a sham of what God created. So he said, "There's a lot of that going on." And idolaters, there's a lot of idolatry, a lot of people worshiping things instead of God. He said, there's adultery going on. There's people sleeping with married people. But I want you to notice this, too. There's some effeminate there. There's some effeminate. What do you mean by that, God? There's some impressed boys. Prissy boys in the church. You know, I have people sometimes say, why you got all that hair on you, buddy? Well, it ain't sissified. God give me them hair follicles to grow, Amen. I don't see women run around with one. I don't look. I don't look. Listen, I don't understand why men want to make themselves smooth. I ain't picking on y'all. You ain't that smooth, but anyway. Uh, but again, why do you want to soften your appearance and make yourself look smooth like a woman? I don't understand that. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand men who talk soft, the boy. I just don't get it. I don't get it at all like that. Uh, You know, God made a man to be masculine. He made a woman to be feminine. And God says, God says, you know, people that go around trying to be feminine. God says, listen, them them people. I said they ain't going to heaven. You say, wait a minute. That's how that's how the world. Listen, I'm gonna tell you something. When somebody who goes around being tricky like that, when they get saved, born again saved, they understand God created me to be a man. God created a woman to be a woman. They don't want to be like a woman once they get saved. Amen the holy spirit of god lives in them he changes them and they are not what they were before they're a new creature in Christ Jesus amen then he says nor abusers of themselves with mankind now that verse right there has been used wrongly but I'm, I'm that verse right there that part of that verse uh, that's been that been used in, in in a lot of, by a lot of preachers to try to deal with with well, I don't want to say it out loud, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. It's something you do by yourself. But, I'm, but that's not what it's referring to. It's talking about Sodom. It's talking about a man in sexual intercourse with another man. That's what the Bible is referring to right there. You say, does God really speak against that? It's right there in black and white. What's, being, what's legalized in this country,
1: it's legal. Did you know?
0: And I'm sure you do because most of you are old enough to know. But I guarantee you a lot of people listening in this morning ain't got no clue that sodomy was against the law in all 50 states. But it ain't no more. It's still on the books in some states, but they don't enforce it. And they can't because there's a federal law now that says they can marry. And then they're protected, and they have all the rights of anybody else. And within marriage, which God created, and they they bastardize marriage when they do that. It's just, it's sickening. But that's this world. That's the system of judgment that Paul is saying. Don't go to that. Listen, there's nothing there that you can benefit from in a in a wicked system full of full of godlessness. He said, Wait a minute, there may be a lot of slave people in court. Yeah, there may be a couple. There may be. maybe half of them saved. But I don't want. I wouldn't want to go to a church where half the people were saved and half of them wasn't. And they were deciding something for me. Listen, I don't want to go and have a courthouse full of people who, who may look at me and say, well, you're a Christian. I ain't going to give you a fair judgment. You're a preacher. I ain't no way I'm judging him fairly. I ain't been to church in years. I ain't going to – God, I, I don't want that in my life. I ain't going to give them a fair judgment. Oh, no. And the further we go, the longer we go, the less likely you are to get a fair judgment in this world from a worldly court. But let's keep going I'm, 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 I'm gonna get the rolling in there in a second we'll be done all right and he says, so you got all that kind of stuff going on you got again you got soft men, you got absolute sodomites, you got fornicators, adulterers. you got all that stuff going on a lots of lots of seedy behavior going on in this church, and then you got people you can't trust that won't steal out of your purse while you're sitting on the pew. You got thieves there. You got covetous who's sitting there looking at other people. Say, well, I wish I had what so-and-so has. I wish I had a nicer vehicle as they got. Of course, they didn't have vehicles. I guess I had a nicer chariot as they got. Uh, I wish I had a nicer horses they got to ride up here. At uh, least they got a nicer saddle on that one than I got on mine. You know, I wish, I wish I had. I wish I had nicer clothes as they got, and they sit there through the church. They can't hear a word that the preacher's saying because they're sitting there worried about things they hadn't got. You had that going on there. He had people that drank, and, and drank getting drunk on alcohol. You got people, listen, I, I'm assuming these are some of the slain people, but you got the drunkards and you got the revilers. When a man gets drunk, he'll go to talking loud and screaming and cussing and getting in your face and all kinds of things. Those things kind of go together. And then extortioners, that's people trying to beat other people out of money, things they don't, they don't even need to get money for. They're just trying to rip somebody off. And he said all them kind of people shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then turn around verse 11, he said, and such were some of you. The key to that is the word were. The key to that is the word were. Such were were some of you. But notice what he says after that. But ye are washed. What washed them? It was the blood of Jesus, right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You're washed. You were that way, but now you're washed. You are sanctified. What's that mean? It means you're holy. Because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you've been made white as snow. God has made you holy unto him. And he said, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. All of this done by the Spirit of God. All the all all the cleaning up and the sanctifying and the justifying. He's the one that He's the one that places us into the body of Christ. You got to realize something, and you don't go back. You were that. You were just like the rest of the world. You 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 were filthy. You were disgusting. You were caught up in all these things that God hates. You were that, but you're not that anymore. You say, but wait a minute, some of them are still doing some of those things. I understand that. I understand that. But you understand something, too. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So they're not the people that they were before when they were lost doing those things every day and not having any concern about, about what they were doing. You know what? Let me tell you something. Everybody in here this morning, I'm assuming everybody in here is safe as all of you tell me you're safe. When you sin, it bothers you, doesn't it? You don't want to sin at all, do you? Grieves you that you sin. It grieves you every time you fall down, doesn't it? I mean, by now you'd think you'd have got this look, wouldn't you? Don't you feel defeated sometimes when you sin? You say, Lord, I don't know why in the world I'm, I still fall down on the same old things. It wears you out. Do you know lost people don't care at all? Lost people could care less. Lost people never think to man, I sure am being bad. Man, I sure am failing God. Lost people don't care. They could care less. They sin. They can sin all day long and lay their head down and sleep sweet on their pillow. Do you know that? Never bothers them one bit. That's because they're lost. They don't know Jesus is the answer. They don't know that he's where they need to turn. But once you're saved, you're different. Amen, And that's why Paul's speaking to them, because he knows that they're different. But they're, in around, they're around this permissive society, and it is wearing them out. Just like I said, that rotten fruit next to good fruit. What does it do? It rots the good fruit. And the rotten fruit within the church, the leaven, is leavening the whole lump. And Paul is trying to get their attention and saying, listen, you've got to change the way you're behaving. You've got to change the things that you're allowing, permissiveness in this church. You've got to stop the ways you're dealing with your problems. You're taking the Lord's church and putting it out and prostituting it to a legal system that's full of heathens and trusting heathens to solve God's people's problems. That's fornication in Paul's eyes. Twelve. Look at verse 12. Paul, Paul goes on and he says, listen, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are. But all things are not expedient. You know why I think Paul said all things are lawful for me? I think that was one of the phrases that was used a lot in Corinth. I'm saved. You know, all things are lawful for me. I I can do all things because I've been saved. You know, I'm washed. My sins have all been forgiven, and I can do anything I want to do now because I'm saved. It's all done. It's over with. All things are lawful. Paul says, "Well, all things are lawful." You know the law has been abolished. Christ, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He said, "But not all things are expedient; not everything good for you." So it's well, lawful for me. I, the house, and drink moonshine all day long. If I want to. It's lawful for me. You know, you know, you know. It's just because something's lawful, don't mean you don't do it. You know, it's lawful in the United States, in certain states. I know y'all know this because we've been dealing with it for years and years and years and years. But, I mean, it is lawful in certain, not in Texas anymore, but it's lawful in certain northern states now. If you get pregnant, you go down and and kill your baby. You can do that. No problem at all. It's lawful. Murder a child, but it's lawful. You don't do it. It's lawful to go buy a fifth of whiskey after you get out of church and drink it all that afternoon. It's lawful. Don't mean y'all to do it. Amen. There's lots of things are lawful. But, I mean, prostitution is lawful in Las Vegas, Nevada. Somebody ought to frequent that place. Things are lawful that should never be done. And Paul is trying to explain to them, you're taking, God, uh, you're taking your liberty in Christ too far, right? And, and, and that's something we need to understand, too. Nothing should destroy our liberty in Christ. Now, that's, that's a double-edged sword. Somebody else's somebody else's uh, ideas, somebody else's words, somebody else's thoughts should never destroy our liberty. But I'll tell you something. Just like what I'm saying, somebody else's view of, of, of us should never destroy our liberty in Christ. But at the same time, we may claim liberty and find ourselves giving ourselves to things that may be lawful, but we might also find ourselves in bondage to those things. Now, a believer in bondage to something is not, what kind of testimony is that? You take, you take a believer who, who drinks alcohol every day and gets drunk every night,
1: and they can't give up
0: that alcohol because they're hooked on it. It's, it's in their blood, and they can't do nothing about it. They, they're an alcoholic. And I know there's preachers who say, that's not possible for a Christian. Oh, that's possible, all right. It's possible for a Christian to do anything there is to do in this world. And, and and a one who does that is miserable, as miserable can be. <clears throat> but, again, we can't claim liberty and just live however we want to live. Paul said, listen, he said, I'll not be brought under the power of any. I want to be under the power of Christ. I don't want to be under the power of sin. I don't want to have something causing me to be in bondage. Because if I'm in bondage yet, I don't have any liberty in Christ. I don't have any freedom in Christ. I can't, I can't enjoy my Christian life. I can't have power in my Christian life because I'm in bondage to sin. And that's what Paul's talking about, and that's what's going on with these believers. And and again, they're such in, so in bondage, they don't even understand that they put themselves in bondage, and they put themselves in further bondage by going to the world to answer their problems. He says, listen, meat's for the belly, and the belly for meat. That was another phrase that they, 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 they talked about. You know what, and I know that sounds odd saying, but but we can phrase it like this. Eat to live, eat to live to eat. Eat to live, live to eat. This is a crowd like caviar, champagne. What was old Robin Leach used to say? Uh, champagne, something in caviar dreams. He talked about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. He used to come on TV. That's the kind of folks that had some in folks in that church too. It was a fine dining crowd. Had to have the best of everything. You know, again, God says, you know what, well, that, that's all well and good. But Paul said, but, but God shall destroy both meat and the belly. And again, I want you to realize something, too. <clears throat> we're referring, when we say meat, we're talking about the meat market up on the hill at the prostitution temple. They pro- I mean, I, they probably had the finest cuts of meat you could find because, you know, again... When people are pagans and idolaters, oftentimes, especially over in India, in those temples in India, those they, people starving to death out on the streets, but they're taking the finest cuts of meat and lay it on, lay in front of and altars in front of idols, and and you know they'll they go they'll leave meat in front of an idol and just go off, and then you got poor people come up there and say that leaves leaving, it get some it because they're starving to death. You know they ain't thinking about that idol want to get that food. It's just we need we ain't starving to death. We'll eat anything. We need a can of cat food if you set it up there. we starve starving. Again, it ain't about, Paul's saying here, listen, it, it, it ain't about, well, I'm trying to rephrase this right. Meat for the belly, the belly for meats. Paul's saying, listen, body is for the Lord. The body is for the Lord. It's not for fornication. The Lord is for the body. Meats may be for the belly. Yeah, you put food in here, and the belly's for meat. That's what it's for. But the body, your body is not to give to this world. Your body is not to give to the ways of this world. Your body, your mind is not to give to this world. Uh, You're to give yourself to God completely, wholly and totally. Um, Verse 14 He reminds us again, we're not of this world. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. He said, and God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Again, we're not of this world. He's coming to get us. He's coming to take us out of here. Verse 15 and following. We're going to get this done. He said, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Your bodies are the members. We're members of his body. He said, shall I then take the members of Christ, then the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he that is joined to a harlot is one body? And Now, he's speaking. He's not. And I preach this wrong for a long, long time. They say, you know, well, if you have sex with somebody, you're married to them. No, you're not married to them. Okay? I'll, I'll give you a reason why they're wrong on that. If someone rapes someone, are you married to the, rap- the rapist? If somebody commits incest, are you married to the person that committed incest with them? If two men have immorality, men immorality that's flesh on flesh. Are they married to each other? So that does not imply that. But when, when folks engage in the act of sex, there is a union, and that's what he's referring to. And he's saying a believer coming together with a harlot. What a horrible scene that is. What a horrible idea that is of, of uniting God with a harlot. And he's saying, listen, we need to make sure that we are not uniting ourselves with this world. We're not to commit fornication. We're not to commit physical fornication through fulfilling our fleshly lusts. And we're not to commit mental fornication. How do you do that? We do that by giving, giving credence to science that goes against the Bible just going along with this world says and agreeing with everything we hear, just because that's what we hear and that's what everybody outside of these walls is saying. And we don't want to go contrary to nobody, so we just go along with it. When we know the word of God says opposite and we keep our mouths shut, we're giving mental assent to their ideology and their way of thinking, this lost world's philosophies, and we're fornicating our mental capacity. We do that we sit down and watch the world's garbage and let it flood and bathe our mind with its rotten uh, garbage that goes against God's Word. We're committing mental fornication when we, again, when we, when we give in to science falsely so-called and the world's ideologies and terminologies, and then there are people committing spiritual fornication because they're dabbling with supernatural things that they got no business fooling with. These people every year around Halloween gets all caught up in dabbling with, with supernatural garbage they'll never fool with, ever. Uh and, and horoscopes and everything else. There are Christians who play with that garbage and they ought to have their head examined. God wants us to be separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll be a father unto you and receive you. Now let's and finish. What know you not that he was born joined to a harlot as one body, for he too says shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, so we have, we're in a spiritual union with the Lord Jesus Christ when we're His. Again, we're one with Him. We have come together with Him spiritually, and He loves us. He protects us. He provides for us, and He guides us. Paul saying don't 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 have a union with this world. Don't have a union with its fleshly, mental, or spiritual. But to have a union with the Lord Jesus Christ, because He gives you everything you need, and He is all you need. Verse eighteen forms of it. A man ever sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that commiteth fornication sinneth against his own body. We're to run from it like like Joseph did from Potiphar's wife. Bleed, leave or leave whatever. Leave your garment in their hand if you got to, but get out of there. Uh, listen, the Bible tells us that we're a holy vessel in God's eyes. Verse nineteen. What? No, you're not your body. Is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. God lives in you, which you have of God. He gave you that body. He changed that body. He lives in that body. He brought his, your spirit to life that he dwells in, and ye are not your own. He bought you, paid for you, locked, stock, and barrel. There ain't nothing about you that's yours, and if you take it from God without asking, if you take it and do something with it, you're robbing God of something belongs to him. You're a holy vessel in his eyes. In verse 20, and I'm done, you're valuable to God. You're valuable to God, for you're bought for the price. Cost God his life of his only begotten son. It's a very, very valuable thing that he paid for, and we're not to forget that. He says, therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We're to bring glory to God. What are we to bring glory to God about? Well, for what he's done for us. Listen, I don't know about you, and I wasn't there when you got saved, but I can tell you about me. I mean, I was just a little boy when I got saved. But I can tell you this. The devil kicked the living daylight out of me after I got saved for many years, and I didn't grow for a long time. But, man, I'm going to tell you what. Once I finally understood how good God was, and when I finally understood all that He had done for me, I took hold of it with both hands, and I ain't never regretted living for Jesus. And there ain't nothing about this world that entices me to go back to it. There ain't nothing in this world. And we need to be careful. We need to, you know, the Bible tells us to examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. And again, you're a three part you're a three part person. your body, mind, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit—how you want to look at it. But you—you you don't need—you don't. We—we uh, we know. we we're, we innately know we're not to—we're not to do things with our body that's—that's that's unlawful. But we're not to allow our minds. Again, but don't 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 let this world have your mind. Don't let don't let the devil take your mind. Don't let the devil cause you to live in fear and anxiety and depression. Don't don't prostitute your mind to this world. Don't let the devil have it and, and do what he wants to it. You wouldn't let him have your body. Don't let him have your mind. Listen, and, and don't dabble. I don't know what y'all don't want to, do, but I'm listening. I'm, I'm talking to people here that are listening that, that may fool around with things they ought not
1: fool around with.
0: I tell you, if, if, if it ain't in the Word of God, I don't fool it. And, and some of the things in the Word of God, He warns me not to fool. So we need to be careful because there are people, and I, we, and I'm telling you this because I want you to remember that there are younger people coming up around you who don't know the dangers of food with, with supernatural things. And they find that and they're influenced by the by Hollywood, they're influenced by T V shows and, and young people influenced by these by these uh, comic book heroes. You know, when I was a kid and I I'd be already going on someone this when I was a kid, that stuff was pretty harmless Thing It ain't harmless anymore. Nearly all of those stories that come out of now have got some kind of diabolical, supernatural, demonic sword behind it. And people get caught up in those stories. And they find those people in humor. And so they're allowing themselves to, to agree with supernatural things that are in their are and their they're, they're, they're God help us.
1: May we examine our lives to make sure
0: that we're going to thank God. Listen. Sorry I kept this alone this morning. Let's turn this thing this morning. 167. 167. Just as I am. God's dealing with your heart about something. Come and pray. If you've just got kind of a burden on your heart, you need to pray it. Come pray. If there's somebody on your heart that you need to pray for. Come pray. If you need to just do it, where are you at? Pray. But we, we can't do a thing until so we turn things over to God. Let's do this this morning. Father, I just love you. I thank you, Father, for the message. Thank you, Lord Christian. And heard it, Father, I pray you bless us and help us, Father. We love you and we thank you for all that you've been blessed for your invitation Jesus.
1: You. You. Amen. <laughs> 167. <two>, <laughs> I am with my God, Praise
0: God.